Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. I'm Donna Delaperriere, and I'll be reading to you from my new book, True Crime. I live near downtown Oakland, teach in the MFA and undergrad creative writing programs at both California College of the Arts and San Francisco State, and I run the Bay Area Poetry Marathon reading series in San Francisco's Mission District. The Great and Secret Show The body has been remade as the center point on a graph, pinning it exactly in this place at this hour. Someone asks for a magnifying glass. Someone removes the body's jewelry. Someone remarks on the stillness, the harsh white of its dress. They are careful not to touch it, such a dazzling field. They flop it onto a stretcher. Everyone looks away. The afternoon of the same day, a ceiling fan cools the room. The body's eyes are flat and milk-shot, head propped on a wooden block. All afternoon they watch it just here, just like this, waiting in the body's secret as if it were a shadow. House, the history of us all. In the place where you live, the sky is white. In winter, stones blow up the shore. You grow up in your mother's house. In summer, the air is heavy, palpable. Sometimes it gets difficult to breathe. Vines cover trees, phone poles, deserted houses. You see them when you drive at night, depthless spaces without trees or ground, shapes rising up against a dark screen. We make up what we cannot remember. We no longer recall what is true. Your mother as a girl lived across the road from ghosts. Your grandmother saved garbage, drew crosses over the walls of the house. One of your uncles is crazy. He is tall, thin, ugly in a pitiful way. He thinks people want to murder him or making signs with their hands. At some point after your grandmother dies, the uncle lives alone in the house. You recall a car ride, also a bad afternoon when he backs one of the ants into a corner of the kitchen. Sometime later, relatives are informed that a group of people have begun living with him in the house. It's bound not to end well. There's something about narcotics. The girls tell police he tries to touch them when they sleep. For months, these people return to and are removed from the grandmother's house. When they finally leave, they steal or wreck everything. Much later, you will make trips to gather the scraps from what little is left at the grandmother's house. You will pick up your uncle. You will drive into the country. Throughout the afternoon, he'll place his hand on your lower back, rubbing circles that arc wider and wider. You'll go to a cow pasture, once family burial ground, but once there, quickly realize you've made a mistake. The hill is overgrown. You can't read what's on the slabs. The uncle keeps pacing, wanting to go home. An electric fence keeps cows from trampling the stones that are left, but most have long ago fallen in on themselves. Your mother's house is brown, peels at the edges. Even in winter, the heat is weighty, 
visceral. Every morning you wake to hear birds at the window, their voices muffled, flute-like, a language of children or lost people. It takes forever to believe that the dead are friendly. In winter, you think of your mother's house. You can bring back some rooms, the light at certain times of day, also a globe and an iron flower sitting side by side on the table. What you can't remember is how to get from one room to another, or the view from the windows, or where the doors were. This next poem has an epigraph from a William Faulkner novel. In his novel Absalom, Absalom, when uh, the Harvard roommate asks about the American South, Quentin Compson tells him, you can't understand it, you would have to be born there. So, the beautiful South, you would have to be born there. We live in the village on this sharp street. We live by the boneyard. We die young. I have an ivory comb. I have a ghost house of rocks up the hill. I have two dogs, one large, one small. I have rows of scars. Sometimes my hands go numb. I have an oval portrait of my mother. You see that she is dead. I was born too early, too late. I have never had a lover. Almost everyone I know is dead. Almost everyone I love. I have made them up. There are no people in my head. I have words I string together to make stick figures. I have ghosts. I keep their pictures. In my house, I move them from place to place. In the pictures, they are all eyes. I am living someone else's life. I kept them up everywhere until I no longer could. This next piece is a prose poem called Wash Fragment, Shirley in the Yard. It would be best, of course, if there weren't that flat space out back, the part of the yard where it shades off into not so much someone else's yard as no man's land, the non-part of the yard, where there are rocks, bottles, rail ties, rusted appliances, things people have long ago thrown out. Once she climbs inside a rusted-out washing machine someone has dumped back there, she is wearing white pants and white shoes, and she gets stuff all over her, dirt, rust, and she knows she shouldn't be doing this. It's stupid. She's the grown-up now, and she'll have to clean it. But once she starts, she can't stop it. She has to get in, and she's crawling, scrambling, curling in on herself, and once she is in, she does feel oddly satisfied. She feels like a little animal, thoughtless, clean, just a clean, slick little animal, not thinking anything. She sits there. Picture her. In the washer in the middle of this wrecked yard behind the junk shop off Boulevard. She can hear the dog barking on the rope next to the steps by the street where she walks the dog at night. At night, the whole street glints of moon. Everything looks vaguely beautiful. The edges of the house soften, tree limbs dip and spindle. The white enamel of appliances glows in the lot in the backyard. Flat surface, bare rock, and at the edge of the surface, trees. In the lot behind the backyard, she sits in the drum of the washer. She wonders what it would be like to sit out there until night. No one goes by on the road. She can see the house, the side yard, the frail edge of a tree. The tree unwinds, twists in the wind. The dog whines, worries its rope. The sun glints off the window in the room where she used to keep her clothes.
Risen, How One Finally Connects the World. In the new body, rider clouds twist the moon into torsos, legs, arms, heels. I follow my mother around the house. I go into the woods or do or go. The house is not restful, is not part of me. When I said the whole universe, I meant this room. Nature's logic knocks the shit out of you. I meant you get lost. Several minutes of anything physical. I meant no one can leave. And the final poem is a prose poem called Found, and it is largely found. Found. Yesterday I messed around with everything and goofed off all day. I gave away five of my bull pups yesterday. Eddie Burdick got three, and Cheryl Beck and Romeo got two. I went over to Ma's about dark and ate supper, then I went home. I have been writing about my life, and I have realized that you don't understand some things. I will explain. I live by myself. I live about a mile and a half from my ma. I used to be married. I was married to Terry Metz. She was five months pregnant. I had a 1966 Chevy Chevelle. It had a nice white paint job and rally wheels. It had a 354 bolt main with a four-speed transmission and a 411 rear end. Terry never drove it. I let her drive it one time to the handy corner in Dawson County. On the way back, she wrecked. She lost the baby. She was in the hospital three months. Then she died. I never went to see her. I loved my car. I now have a 69 Roadrunner. It is black and gold with a 440 plus 6 and a 4-speed and high rear end. A 77 Ford Ranger, 351 Cleveland and 3-speed on column with a Spicer rear end. It is black. I also have two motorcycles, a Yamaha Maxim and a Yamaha 360. I dig graves for a living. That is how I afford my vehicles. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more poems and stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.